Today's show is sponsored by our friends at Orca Coors. And what is cooler than having a Georgia National Championship tumbler? Zeke was all over this. Well, he wasn't until I told him. I actually got him one for his 40th birthday. But they have these tumblers. They're awesome. They're going to keep your drink cold, keep them warm, and you can celebrate a Georgia win. If you use code DADSEASON, they will give you 20% off your order. That is for everything. That is the roto-molded coolers, the tumblers. It's the whiskey barrel tumblers, everything they have at orcacoolers.com. Use code DADSEASON. It's dad season all year round, and you will get 20% off your order. Today's show is also sponsored by our friends at Action 24-7. If you want action, get in on the action with Action 24-7. Tennessee's only sportsbook by Tennesseans for Tennesseans. There's so much going on. NBA is going on. You can parlay with the NBA. If you bet 50 bucks on a parlay, it will give you $25 back if it doesn't hit. All sorts of parlays on the NHL this week. There's something going on in Australia this week, except if you're Novak Djokovic. But if you bet $30 on tennis, you'll automatically get a $20 free bet to use during the match. There's table tennis bets again this week, a deposit boost on a Saturday. They moved the typical Friday boost to Saturday in celebration of the Titans divisional round playoff game. And then on Sunday, there's a parlay. You get a risk-free up to $50 single game parlay on the Rams, Bucks, or Bills Chiefs. And always, if you use code DADS100, it'll match up to $800 of your deposit all the way up until the Super Bowl. Check out our friends at action247.com. Zeke, I have a big bone to pick with you ham bone no collarbone (laughs) which i think yours is broken right now from your ski trip but you said okay i'm gonna go out to breckenridge and yeah i'll take some pictures to give you for social media this picture you took the one picture that you sent the whole time because i had to steal pictures from your story like your really cool spiky hat that is from 1999 i stole that from your story and then put it on ours but you took a picture on the porch of the place you were staying at half of the cement wall is there and then you can see a window where you can start to see some trees and snow the whole purpose of being in breckenridge is there's mountains there's snow there's trees and you gave me five bottles spaced out weirdly behind a cement wall well there was lighting issues there wasn't enough space on the rail to put them without like our, hold the, the one thing. up with your hand you had to will it hold it up with your hand and get a mountain well then some of them actually got froze to the porch <laughs> <laughs> the bottom of the bottle no glass broke no booze was lost but literally my buddy's like i think that thing's kind of froze right there i'm like i mean the booze is froze like it's a high enough alcohol percent where it shouldn't freeze he's like no like i can't get the damn bottle off of the concrete it is stuck and I had to tell you, I love your mom. I, I love her very much. But your mom came to your defense. So I posted this on social media. I took the picture that you gave me and I said, I asked Zeke for pictures from Breckenridge. And this is what he gave me. And your mom wrote back, well, the purpose was to see snow. And there technically was snow in the picture. And I took everything because Zeke's mom is the nicest woman in the whole entire world. It took everything I could to not write back. You know, we had snow in Nashville all last week, right?
Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards. With me, as always, is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Drink of Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. We are going into 2022, and I firmly believe that Zeke will not have access to social media this year for Dad's Drinking Bourbon based off of his performance in week one. Who did have a great performance, though, were those Georgia Bulldogs. How about them dogs, baby? That's all I got to say. How long was it again? Was it 88? 80. 80. 80. 41 bleep, bleep, bleep years. (laughs) But we got there. Well, congratulations for getting there. You are a little worse for wear. I I did not really go into this deep in our cold open, but you had an injury. (laughs) You want to tell everyone what happened? Very simply, the bindings on my uh, skis were a little too loose. Fresh powder came down the first day. Turns got tough. A couple of turns I uh, came out of or didn't come out of, however you want to look at it. And at some point, uh, my left shoulder's pretty darn bruised but we're getting by so did you pizza when you should have french fried in that nar pow pow no neither it was just a turn and like literally my heel came out of the boot so then i spun around and flopped on my back and like hit my head it was so bad i finally found my way to a bus stop and i dropped a pin and i just said just come pick me up (laughs) and he says where are you i said i sent you a damn pin just come pick me up. He's like, I am defeated right now. He's like, this isn't like Uber. You can't <laughs> drop a pin on a mountain and say, come get me. I got picked up. That's all you need to know. <laughs> well, we're glad you're back. There's so, I mean, I know what our listeners are going to say. I should have come back at you harder on this. Just like they said, I should have come back at you harder on your whole thing with Aunt May, which is a conversation for another day. I will just tell the listeners that we have a guest, so I am not going to go deep into this. But we have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Wally Dant. And then we have salesman extraordinaire. He has been on this show before. He went into the transfer portal and he went over to Monk's Road. That is Mr. Adam Zinser. So welcome both of you to Dad's Drinky Bourbon. Hey, thank you. Happy to be here. Good to be back. Both of you have better voices than both of us. Just listening to you two, like, there needs to be a Monk's Road podcast. Because Adam, I mean, Adam has that voice already. Everybody knows that. But Wally, your voice is pretty damn good. Maybe it's because I'm sick or something like that. I got the Rona. I don't I don't know. Something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you told us that while we're all sitting with this. I thought I'd share a couple of yeah, drinks with you. He's like, you know what you could take home? Not just the <laughs> bottles, but you could take home some Rona with you, too. That's right. Something special. Something Alcohol. Sp- special. Yeah, everybody wants to know what you got special. I got it for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is a beautiful thing about a podcast. So what my associate told me, and this was cut out, it was taken while he was correcting me for being very, very wrong. It is not Monk's Road Distillery. It is Logstill Distillery, and the brand is Monk's Road within Logstill. Apologies. That's okay. That's my. I was so excited to actually be around a person that I messed everything up. It's quite all right. What matters at the end of the day is that you like the juice that's inside the bottle. Well, we will find that out as we sit here. You brought a dry gin, a barrel finished gin, and then there is some bourbon on the table as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. That's our lineup for right now. We've got some more stuff coming out in the not too near future. I know that Log still, y'all like Jeeps, <laughs> but besides your love for Jeeps and making sure that all of your staff is outfitted in a Jeep, why did you start a distillery? Tell me a little bit about yourself. What got you into the game? What made you decide to do this now? My family has been in that bourbon making business for, um, I'm a sixth generation, so for five generations before me. So back in the early 1830s, uh, we began distilling in our family bourbon whiskey. Now, I am sure it was moonshine, right? Just like everybody does in Kentucky at some point in time. And uh, eventually turned into a a product that uh, our family had for, you know, until the early 1940s when we sold a distillery, sold a couple of distilleries at that time, uh, back in the early 40s for the for the Dant family. And so, you know, my grandfather was in the business. My great-grandfather was in the business. We actually own my great-grandfather's distillery now. So for us and for me, it was a way of... Um, coming back and bringing our name back into prominence, back into the bourbon business again. And um, and we all talked about it, you know, when we were growing up um, amongst cousins and friends about, you know, the, the our name and being back in that business again. And, and, you know, through some, you know, real luck, success I've had on, on really the healthcare business, uh, I was able to say, look, this is where we're going to, we're going to jump back into it again and, um, and do it back on our own homestead. I know it's a touchy subject and we don't necessarily need to go negative with anything, but is it tough for all you people out there? JW Dant is an amazing bourbon. It's one of my favorite ones to go get because you can't get it down here, but it's a great drinker at a great price. Is it tough seeing your family's name out there without you know the family having ownership of it? Well, you know, I I don't think so. I mean, you know, we look at it at a couple different ways, right? One, Heaven Hill owns the brand today, and you know, um, and they bought it in 1993, and. You know, my grandfather prior to that worked for the company that owned J.W. Dant. And so, you know, it was a a company called Shenley. And uh, Shenley had it for probably almost 50, uh, about 40 years or so. And, you know, they made I.W. Harper. They made uh, a number of different brands, Ancient Age. You know, they owned the old Buffalo Trace Distillery. So it was a part of a bigger company and a bigger conglomeration of of folks. what I can say about, you know, Heaven Hill owning that product today is that, you know, we look at it and think, you know, hey, from a family perspective, our name is still on a bottle, right? The Dant name is still on a bottle. Uh, you know, I've told Max Shapira before that, you know, thank you for saving that brand and still having that brand out there. Uh, having said that, you know, we're forging our own road here, um, you know, tongue-in-cheek monks road for our family now and um and so that's really what we're doing with our distillery is is really kind of focusing in on you know making sure we pay homage to the past certainly but making sure that as we move forward as a as an organization and as a family that you know we forge our own path and so we have our bourbons gins you know we're doing ultimately we're doing tennessee whiskey in the future as well and so one we're out to have fun honor our family and you know do things the right way i think but between us just friends sitting around here Uh say like five ten years passes y'all have really built the distillery up and max decides to unload the brand you gonna pick it up (laughs) 
<laughs> if 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 they ever wanted to have a conversation, I'd certainly welcome the conversation. I'm sure Max listens. I'm kidding. He's been on the show, but I'm sure he doesn't listen. Like, I can't wait for the next episode of Dad's Drinking Bourbon. So your secret is safe with us. It's also good to know that this is a family. You know, you luckily have been in healthcare. You've worked uh, and done a very good job with that so that you can actually go and open a distillery. But it sounds like your family is very supportive of it and, and everybody's kind of involved in, in some way. Or is it mostly just you doing the heavy lifting? So we've got a big family, right? So the dance were prolific Catholics, and so there are a ton of them all over the hey, place. Hey, it's okay. My dad's one of nine. I get it. <laughs> right. Like, uh, and so, so I've got a couple of cousins that are are in this with me, uh, Charles and Lynn. Both he and she, you know, she is really the the head distiller for for the company. She's a chemical engineer and a, a Wharton MBA, so she's vastly smarter than I am. And uh, and Charles, um, he grew up exactly where our distillery is, and so he kind of and he's our uh, VP of operations, and so together with them. We're kind of forging that path, and we get a lot of help from. We have a Dant page on Facebook that has, I don't know, fifteen hundred family members. I have more cousins than I ever thought I did. Once you know, once we began this, but you know, it's great to be able to have connections out there, and and I think everybody that's grown up in our family is really proud of our heritage and and you know certainly what we're doing. So Zeke and I are your cousin. I don't know if you knew this. You got to add us to the Facebook page. <laughs> I can do that. You know, we're we're both. We want the inside track of what's going on, Dan. That's awesome to to have that. I'm sure that all of those 1,500 people, if you would ask, are happy to come be taste testers. When did you actually start Logstill? You all have done enough work there. I mean, I, I do want to talk about KBF and all that because you all had a concert while other people were doing other stuff. I mean, you guys are big enough now that you're, you're having a concert at your distillery. It's a good time. It sounds like from everything you said, you even said it earlier that you want to have fun. I mean, that is right in line with it. So tell me a little bit about the distillery. So outside of my healthcare work that I've done here in Nashville for almost 25 or so years on the side, right? Uh, much like what you guys do on the side, I had a retail store. I had a wine and spirits retail store in Cool Springs. It was at the Sam's Club. We had that from 2006 through 2011. And you could see writing on the wall about wine coming into grocery stores here in Tennessee. And we said, hey, really, you learn real quickly the power is in the distribution side, <laughs> right? And so we said, well, why don't we, why don't we start a distribution company? We actually got with a, another distributor, a beer distributor. I don't know if you know Kurt Strickmaker or not, with Bounty Beverage. And at the time, everybody had the low-gravity license and the high-gravity license on the distribution end, right? And so they had to have the high-gravity in order to sell wine, spirits, and high-gravity beer. And he knew everything about beer, didn't know a whole lot about wine and spirits. And we said, we do. Let's help build that, right? And so we went in with Kurt on his license, which was called Bonus Beverage. And Bonus Bev, we eventually bought once wine and grocery stores went in. There was a change in the distribution licensing side here in Tennessee. And so we were able to kind of split the company in half. He got the beer and we got the wine and spirits. And, you know, from there, we had a little distribution company here in, in Tennessee competing against 
Lipman and all of the other, you know, all the Donnellys and all of those guys here in Tennessee. And Tennessee's a franchise state. So nobody's leaving. Effectively, once you've signed a brand, nobody leaves, right? And so then we're scrambling, not on the wine side, because wine is fairly, it's getting less so, but at that time anyway, a lot of family-owned businesses, you can find wine, wineries that you can represent and do really well. And we, we, we really did well on the, in particular on the on-premise side with wines. But the spirit side, you had to find who was the up-and-comer that, that wanted to be in Tennessee, right? And there wasn't a million NDPs at the time no, when no, you were doing it that no. were popping up like, oh, I'm going to start a whiskey bread today. Right. Right. So, you know, ultimately for Bonus Bev, we represented um, Rabbit Hole, right, was our Kentucky bourbon. And uh, and so Cave came with us back in 2017, somewhere in that time frame, um, 2018, 17, I think it was. It wasn't like, and I've started my career at Brown Foreman. And so I knew a lot about the spirits business. I can't say, you know, there's a lot of depth out there, but at least I understood what the heck, what, what it was all about and never having really produced our own before, but I knew, I knew steps, right? You know, steps, you figure out steps. And, um, and so in 2018, we, me and my partner in that business formed Logstill Distilling, and it was going to be a non, non-spirits producing kind of company, right? Where we just have brands out there that we could then have as a separate company that we could represent through the distribution company, right? So that was the original thought process behind it. And um, so we went out and we bought some Tennessee whiskey barrels, right? Um, that was our first foray into this thing. And um, thinking that we would then have our own brand and that it would be represented under, the, you know, the, from a, a different company perspective, but then we'd have it represented under the bonus Bev distribution side. Because there's not many Tennessee, well, at the time anyway, not many Tennessee whiskey companies, right? So you just had a few fledglings that were just getting started, you know, and some of them I certainly knew. But, you know, some of them, because of relationships that they'd already had, you know, they, they were already taken. And so you were kind of left with, well... If I want to be a Tennessee distribution company and I don't have a Tennessee whiskey to be able to offer to somebody, right? You know, you begin to go through all those things. And so so that was our first foray into the spirits supply business, right? So quickly, my healthcare companies were doing really well, you know, knock on wood. And in 2018, the end of 2018, I just said to my partner in that business, I said, hey, I really, really want to get our family back into the distilling business again. Cave um, from Rabbit Hole kind of put that notion in my head when we were having dinner one night down here in Nashville. And he goes, Wally, you got half the stories of a story, right? <laughs> half of it is having a story and being able to talk about it. He says, you've already got that. You've got the, the whole family story that, you know, quite frankly, he didn't. Right. Because, you know, he's an immigrant Iranian. But look what he's done with that brand. And it's a lot of hard work. Right. And not saying that this is not a lot of hard work, but he goes, you got the story. Why don't you? Right. And so that little thing in my head kept going around and around. And I said, well, 
hell, why don't I, right? I I certainly have the means to be able to do something like this, so why not get our family back into it again? And so that really kind of set set us off on the path. 2019, I bought the old distillery through a land auction, bought the surrounding land that was there two weeks later, and then, you know, we embarked on the whole build a destination place. You guys ask, people ask, well, why is why is it going to be any different from any other distillery? And so we began to think about how do you how do you get people involved and make them come back again? Right? It's easy to go, hey, I'm on the I'm on the bourbon trail or the craft tour trail. I'm going to go here. I'm going to get my little chip and away I go. Right. And I'll go to the next one and do the same thing. And then they may come back or they may say, well, I've done that already. I've checked my box and, you know, and so we had to figure out because we are out much like Maker's Mark. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Uh, And Maker's Mark does a fantastic job in um, their customer experience. And so you know, we had to say, how, how can we make our customer experience uh, a really great experience for people to become come out to again? I've lived here in Nashville for since 99. Yeah, 99. It's been a long time. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that I think people love about Nashville is you can have a great experience and not spend a whole lot of money, right, having that great experience. Like, Going to bars and things like that, right? Mm. From an entertainment perspective. I'm just saying I have watched the price of beer and an old fashioned like I got an old fashioned out in downtown a, a couple months ago. <laughs> Twenty bucks for a damn old fashioned. Like, What'd you put in it? Bourbon. <laughs> Doesn't even matter. The well bourbon could be twenty bucks. You know? uh, well, I, yeah, I, I, certainly Nashville. It's changing, right? But you know, when we were here in the early days, I mean, there was free entertainment. You anywhere you walked, I mean, the the, the quality of music and entertainment here. If you want to see music, it's free, right? Well, yeah, there's still no cover. I mean, right. that was always the biggest thing when I moved here. Like I had buddies, like, oh, somebody tries to charge you a cover, you tell them to uh, kick rocks and uh, we're on to the next. Like, no way, no how, right? And at least we still have that staple. I mean, you're 100% right. It's just not as cheap as it used to be. No, no. I mean, well, hell, you see what people spend per night on a, <laughs> on a hotel room here now, right? I mean, my God. And I wish they would do that at my B&Bs up in Kentucky. <laughs> but, uh, you know, having said that, we said, how can we bring that up to our neck of the woods, right? So the amphitheater was born out of that, our 2,000-seat amphitheater. And and, you know, our bed and breakfast that we have up there. So you want to give your guests a place to come, stay, enjoy music, enjoy, you know, great spirits and a great time. And so that was all kind of born out of that. And that's what, you know, that's what we did as, you know, as a company, as we embarked on this whole adventure. And I hate this term. I think you probably know what I'm going to say. But all the people up in Bardstown are talking about the napification of Bardstown. I hate that word. I can't stand that word. Bourbon people and wine people. Yes, there's some overlap, but the majority of bourbon people do feel like Napa is snooty. And I think it's the wrong word, but I understand the concept, right? Like the concept is correct that tourism and destination and there needs to be experiences around bourbon that was not there previously there's only so many stills and fermenters (laughs) and warehouses you could see like 
grizzled veterans like Zeke and I, when we go do a barrel pick, they're like, do you want a tour? I'm like, no, I know what a still looks like, but thank you. Like, and right. it gets to that point where you're not being disrespectful, but it's like, yeah, I, I know right. it, it looks great. Right. That's what we purposely tried to avoid. Now, it's not that we're not going to give a tour and people aren't going to see our fermenting tanks. And I hope you don't mind. Sorry, I'm yeah, cutting yeah, you off. Yeah, go we right gotta, it's been too long. We haven't drank anything. <laughs> yeah, yet. let's pour some. Let's go. But keep going on. So, so it, it wasn't like we weren't going to have that piece of the tour, but you need to deliver a memory, right? A good memory. Because when people have good memories, then they go, hey, I want to come back. And so that's what we've tried to do with the distillery, with our Dant Crossing campus, is really try to, to develop a memory that says, hey, I had a great time, not only with my friends, but with my family. And so, you know, we've got a 12-acre fishing lake out there. We've got docks that are out on that lake. We've got five B&Bs that are in and around our campus. And then we've got the music side of that. And then we're, we've got the train depot, right? So you can take a train to the distillery or eat at our 200-seat restaurant. I was going to say, how's the food? The big guy has to ask about it. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so the restaurant is going up as we speak. We have, and we will hopefully soon announce who we've hired as our executive chef. He's out of Louisville. Uh, he's extremely well known. We're more than blessed to be able to get him uh, as a part of our company. Can we take a guess and you blink one yes and twice if no? You know, it's a podcast. They can't see him blink. I know. That's the thing. <laughs> that's, so that's we'd we know the answer, but. But uh, I definitely like the word campus. And it's one of those terms that was naive to me a few years back when people would talk about, you know, distilleries or their grounds or whatever. And they'd say campus. And it, I wouldn't say it rubbed me the wrong way. It just kind of was like a unique term that I couldn't really resonate to. But I think now that you see more places offering a, a full experience, being a destination, you know, offering more than, like you say, just the run of the mill tour. You're here for an hour or two, hit the gift shop. All right. Been there, seen it. Yeah, it was cool. Might go back, might not. Don't know. Right. But I think that term definitely resonates so much more now as you see places, you know, working on the branding and facilitating things that, you know, truly encompass a day trip or a full weekend or again, just, you know, fundamentally a sound experience that, that gives you memories and gives you a fun time. Obviously we could all go and have a drink or a cocktail or whatever at any distillery campus whatever but it's the other things that when you bundle it all in that's where you're like all right that was a really damn good time right and it wasn't about just having a few pours or this and that it was everything factored in together and then when you all bundle it in like all right yeah like this resonates it, it, it gets it you know uh, i guess almost like um if you're trying to cook spaghetti you know noodles gotta stick to the wall when it's done <laughs> all right did it stick right, is right. the memory there did it hold did it hold all right, right we're yeah. good that's right that's right <laughs> And we've referred to that from the very beginning before we named our campus Dant Crossing. And uh, we wanted it. You went to college. You've been to colleges, right? Of course, you're a Georgia fan. And when I, I wouldn't necessarily call that a college. <laughs> well, that's a campus for sure. I mean, I, I think they get certificates there. Uh -huh. but I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is I graduated high school in Georgia. Right. So I graduated from Roswell High School and this was 1981. I lost a lot of money in the 1981 championship game. Right. <laughs> because it was the 80 season, but it was 1981 to all of my 
buddies that were Georgia fans because yeah. I was a big Notre Dame fan. Oof. And um, and still am to this, to it, this it day. It had to have been right after Rudy. What was he, 78? 78, yeah. So. Yeah. It was a close game. Actually, it was a, it was a good game. You know, while I, I love people in Alabama, my son-in-law is from Alabama, I was really happy not to see Alabama win last night. So. It was a great game. I mean, all the way to the end, it's all you can ask for. Right. I guess I was happy to see Zeke happy, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I was more happier. So my cousins graduated from UGA, so I was happy for them. Part of me still wanted to see Zeke upset as much as I didn't want to see Alabama win. Yeah. I just wanted to see Zeke upset. But like every other Georgia fan, I wanted them to win for them. Yeah. I just wanted Zeke to be mad somehow. I mean, it was probably going to happen some way. Don't worry. <laughs> Our arm still hurts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So going back to the restaurant before Zeke rudely interrupted us, being amazed at the word campus, mm -hmm. what type of food are you going to have there? Have you thought about the menu? Is it more of a farm-to-table thing? <clears throat> That's it? what we've talked about is having farm-to-table. So you know, the things that we've tried to do and focus on just from a values perspective for our company, right, is, and I, I, I have a little saying there at the distillery where we talk about God, family, community, and bourbon, and it's in that order. And so you're right with God, you take care of your family, you take care of that community. And, and so what we've tried to do with everything that we're doing around our place is to make sure that the community that surrounds us, Nelson County, Marion County, um, and the other counties that are, that are right there, that we are the ones that are trying to give back to the community. So trying to keep our money there is really important for for us. So make sure you hire local contractors that can help build the campus. Work with local farmers to do farm to table as as best as we possibly can to source everything that we have right there in the local community. That's what that's what we're trying to do with our with our community partnership. And if you do all of those things right, uh, then ultimately your bourbon is going to be. We feel our bourbon's going to be right. Can I make one suggestion? Mm -hmm. Unsolicited advice. So I know Starlight Distillery has some great ice cream over at at uh, <laughs> right Huber's. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just saying, I think a very attractive thing at Logisto would be to have a good ice cream shop to go with that restaurant. <laughs> if I was just throwing something out there, I mean, that's how you get the families to go say what's up. Right, right. And little bouncy houses, too. I, we, we did that for the amphitheater a few, few different times. So funny you mentioned that. Uh, we actually had a local uh, ice cream shop in Elizabethtown or they call it E-Town up there, Yep. Um, come and actually take our Monk's Road uh, bourbon, mix it in with, uh, I think it was a, almost like a pecan praline ice cream, maybe a little caramel in there. And I'm telling you what, that, that was damn, damn good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so we have some friends from Old Forge. They're out in Pigeon Forge, and there is a, a candy shop that is literally – there's the old mill, there's uh, old forge, and then there's the candy shop. They'll take flavors from the candy shop to make moonshine, <laughs> and then the candy shop will make ice cream based off of some of the stuff that they have, like not not just the moonshine, but the whiskey as well. I know Hattie Jane's here in town has a Jack Daniels ice cream <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. So there's a lot of partnership opportunity there for Logstill. And I mean, think about like the name Log Still. I think a, 
you know, maybe you could get some pretzels in there with some chocolate, some other stuff going on. Like, I, I think, you know, what I, I just, just start thinking back to the Caddyshack scene, <laughs> right? Is it Caddyshack? You know, where, go oh boys, come on. It's Caddyshack. Where, yeah, it where he goes, where can the, I go where swimming the, in where your where pool? Where the baby Ruth is floating in the pool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely one type of log still. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I just laugh at John. Know. And I haven't even deviated. had a damn drink yet. Yeah. Right, <laughs> John's completely deviated from anything pertaining to booze to simply ice cream, food, et cetera. <laughs> sometimes, and, and he's as deep as he can be in the conversation, too. Sometimes I say things knowing that I'm trying to elicit a reaction from Zeke and the fact that I'm purposely looking at you while saying this dead straight face. Uh-huh. Sometimes I just want to get a reaction from the big guy over there and get him in the conversation. you call me the big guy? You're the one talking about food. You're the one that's taller, hence bigger. Depends on how you define big. I mean, pretty sure them big and wide shops aren't based on height. Sometimes they are. Big and I mean, wide. I'm big and tall. I don't know what be, big and wide is. You might be but. coincidentally tall, but you're not there for the height. I mean, those NBA players, if they need an extra long, they're not going to Macy's to do it. They're going to casual male big and tall. No, the NBA, they're paying they're paying somebody for a custom suit. Get get out of here. Now that we have <laughs> sufficiently deviated from this. Fully off the rails. Yeah. We know that we have this dry gin. It is 86 proof. The barrel finish gin is 93 proof. Tell me a little bit about this 5th District series. I think it is more of a, a special addition to everything y'all have. Adam, you're the man. Tell me about these whiskeys. Give me the pitch. Got, got to let the sleazy salesman step in every now and then and, and do the little pitch here. Uh, and, and real quick, jumping back to, uh, to Zeke's obsession with the word campus. You know, you mentioned early on that I went through the transfer portal and, and jumped from uh, one supplier to another a few different times. And uh, ultimately, what, what sold me, me being the salesman, what sold me though was experiencing the campus at Dan Crossing. And so a little geography lesson, we're about 20 miles south of uh, Bardstown, just outside. Of, it's Gethsemane, Kentucky. But Dan Crossing, it is, it's a whole bourbon experience. You mentioned the napification. Yeah, don't necessarily love equating to that, but it is more than just a distillery experience. And that's ultimately what led me to, to want to join this team. Uh, and I mentioned before, you know, Wally's the visionary and I'm tasked with selling his vision here in Tennessee. And they sold me just by seeing the whole area up there. First, you've got the tasting room, which is just it's a beautiful facility, uh, you know, centered around this this Vendome copper still. The proof is in the liquid. They're making great cocktails in there with our various products. Also, it's a full service bar, uh, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday after four o'clock. Then beyond that, they've got the amp, which is the amphitheater, as Wally mentioned, 2000 person amphitheater. Uh, during the concert season this past year, had big acts like Little Big Town and then some fun old school acts like Kansas and Cheap Trick and sold out shows. A lot of fun open air amphitheater with beautiful countryside in the background. Also, of course, right there is the tasting room so you can get some samples and then step outside in the patio and enjoy a concert. And then, as you mentioned, bed and breakfast. There's multiple bed and breakfast on site that are just beautiful, restored, old classic homes. Coming up is the uh, the Legacy, which is uh, an event center that will be opening up where we can host up to like 400 person weddings. We've already got, I think, 12 weddings already booked for wedding season in 2022. It's a, just a, a beautiful facility. Later on, coming up this year, the distillery will, itself, which is under construction, will open. As Wally mentioned, the restaurant, that will open in the coming months, as well as Rick House is going up. It's just it's a whole ground-up experience that you don't see a lot of producers do. Now, we mentioned before, NDPs, they can feel kind of nebulous, right? It's a label, but you don't know where the hell it's coming from, where the juice is coming from, who owns it, who makes it. It's very obvious who this is, what they're doing, what the vision is. 
And it's something that I think is very unique to Kentucky. That being said, you asked specifically about the, the, the products here in front of us. Start with, you want me to start with the bourbon or the gin? Let's start off with this sourced fifth district series right here. Tell us a little bit about this whiskey and uh, the bourbon and, and all the good stuff about it. Sure thing. Yeah, As you mentioned, it is sourced. We're open about that. Not a problem. Long term, we're going to be distilling all of our own liquid. But hey, you got to start somewhere. So this is out of Kentucky. It's out of Bardstown. I can tell you that. It's a six-year-old single barrel, 100 proof product. And I can. it's uh, 75 corn, 21 rye, four malted barley. Now you're going to try to think about all the different mash bills and try to guess who who distilled that for us. But I did, won't, uh, but John will. He knows that. I, <laughs> I just always ask him. He he does ask me, but I, I won't put you on the spot, even though you said you were going to tell me everything about this on this podcast right now. <laughs> you told I'm, me I'm before the fifth and go to the lawyers on that one with the, the who signed the NDAs and whatnot. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He did not say that. I can tell you it's not Heaven Hill. I know it's not Heaven Hill. There you go. We can tell you it's not Indiana. It is Kentucky. It is an Indiana mash bill, though. It is not Indiana, though. No, but the the mash bill is typically the low rye mash bill for MGP that has been reproduced by a different distillery that we're just going to have to guess what it is. I say that for Zeke because he always wonders about mash bills. That would be the low rye mash bill for MGP. I mean, I don't give a shit as long as it tastes good. Let's be honest. I know you don't, but I'm trying to educate you. It's <laughs> the most for, important part. For six years, I have been trying to educate you on a little bit of stuff. And I just go back to, well, did it taste good or not? All right, keep rolling. Do you have like an automatic air freshener that shoots stuff every once Yeah, it's over there under the TV. Oh, okay. It, 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 yeah, you're right. I, every once in a while, I get this whiff of vanilla. <laughs> no, I'm not wearing perfume. No. And I'm like, I didn't fart. <laughs> it smells like vanilla. I'm sure hell didn't. <laughs> I'm like, is Zeke like spraying Lysol behind me when I'm looking at you? <laughs> the injured skier hobbles yeah. across the room, limping and holding his injured shoulder to turn off his automatic air freshener. I love that he still wears bell bottoms like he's an almost famous. Look, I, I have to admit, see, I've got mine too, my friend. They're not bell bottoms. <laughs> not, not. I just don't wear skinny jeans. You got a lot of flair. They're, they're, That's their boot cut. Exactly. He's yeah. got that high flare boot cut. He's working. His his flare is on fleek. I mean, there's a difference sometimes when your thigh diameter yields you with what would be perceived as a boot cut, but with you, it's just straight leg. Fair enough. I mean, I work very hard on my legs. Thank you for noticing. Do we need to like you know step out for a minute, give you guys a moment, or let's talk about this gin here? So it's eighty six proof. Are you all making the gin already, or is that something that has to be sourced too? So we we work with a supplier on that, Um, but the botanical mix is is something that we came up with, and um, and so. Again, you know, through my bonus Bev experience, uh, met those suppliers. They actually pitched us on some stuff um, back when we were, you know, on the distribution company. And so we, uh, we, we met with them. They're out of Seattle. And we produced uh, this with them. Yeah, we're pretty proud of the botanical mix that we came up with on this gin in particular. And the two gins have two different botanical mixes, right? So they're not the same. You know, we didn't take that same juice that we're using in that dry gin and throw it into a barrel and say, okay, voila. Um, We really kind of had a good thought process around what we thought would be a good barrel finished gin. And um, and so that botanical mix that we used in there is is quite different than than the one we use in the dry gin. All right. 
Interesting. Yeah. I like the train of thought for sure. Well, you know, when you think about that barrel and what that's potentially going to do to that that gin product, and what I've we wanted from a finish perspective, it contains cranberries. That botanical mix does. And the barrel or the the dry. The barrel finished. The dry gin is I wanted with the dry gin. I wanted a balance between the juniper and some fruit notes. Because sometimes your dry gins, uh, a lot of people can get really turned off by a, a dry gin because of the over juniper notes that you can get. And so we really wanted a balance there. I wanted a really everyday, what I call an everyday sipper in that dry gin. And, and I felt I could do that better through some citrus. And so we've got lemon zest, we've got orange zest, we've actually got some watermelon rind in there. Really does a good job in balancing it. And so that is why we produce that dry gin is I really wanted it every day, put it over ice, sit on your front porch and go to town on it. The barrel finished gin, I approached it from a different perspective. I said, look, there are going to be people out there that do not like gin. There's a lot of people that just don't like gin because of the, you know, they think that's overly uh, juniper. They don't like the quote unquote piney notes that they get out <laughs> yeah. of it. Right. I mean, Oh yeah. I'm with you. You hear that a lot. And so, or, you know, I drank it when I was 17 years old and I got sicker than a dog. I just never thought want to approach it again. We did the barrel finished to really introduce those people that say, I do not like gin. And so we said, if you don't like gin, then try our, our barrel finished gin. So it was a way for us to move bourbon drinkers that are bourbon drinkers, not gin drinkers, into a category that they go, oh, wow, you know, I've, I've not had a gin like that. And so that was why we, we one, we barrel finished it. We barrel finished it in our weeded bourbon barrels um, because I didn't want those rye notes potentially coming in there and giving it a different spice. Okay. note to it and so we did it with that weeded bourbon barrel of ours and then we tasted it kind of every month to see when were the what i call the edges of the juniper going to fall off and really at about six months is when that fall off happens at least on our our product anywhere where you see that that juniper hard note that you usually get and while you still taste juniper in this it kind of falls off really quickly you begin to get those vanilla nutmeg notes that come through uh, again mostly from that bourbon barrel that's really infusing that, you know, some vanilla in there. And so uh, we really wanted that for non-gin drinkers, right, to introduce them into a category. What I really like about this one, I don't know what Zeke, you know, we both dabble into gin. Zeke probably dabbles more than I do, but that barrel finished gin, it almost took on the qualities of a cranberry for me where the first sip, it's almost like the shell. Mm-hmm. And then once you break through the shell, there's a tremendous amount of fruit that hits mid palate mm-hmm. to the back palate. Yeah. So I almost feel it's like, you know, when you have a grape or a cranberry, because you said they're infused with cranberry, it's almost like the juice inside, you got to get past that shell and then it all comes up. Yeah. Yeah. We we have been really pleased with how well this has been taken up by the arc our guests. I mean, we have like up in Kentucky from a distribution perspective, you know, you work with your distributors, you say, okay, here's what our projections are. They'll work with you on what they think that's going to sell. Yeah. You know, we don't, you know, originally, you know, you don't see a whole lot of barrel finished gins out there. Uh, maybe the cocktail crowd will pick it up in the on-premise side. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably sell maybe 50 cases. 
you know, well, we sold 50 cases in 45 days, right? Um, I mean, it just went out the door. And then we're sitting there saying, oh, shit, <laughs> right? Because because then it takes six months for this shit day, yeah. right? And we but, thought- but we thought, a phone call, uh, right. we need more. Right. Oh, I mean, it was it was uh, one of those- it was one speed of those, up time? Right. You can't, it, <laughs> and, 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 you know, we- we tried everything and we t- again went through the tasting profiles every month saying, okay, what do we, and you know, six months is it. And we said, yeah. all right, well, we're not, we're not going to compromise. And, uh, and, and I hope you made more than 50 we, cases. We have this time. Yeah. So <laughs> well, it's interesting knock too, on I mean, wood, we won't have any issues. <laughs> obviously, you know, it's a bourbon or whiskey show predominantly, but you know, in the, the realm of gin, I think that's probably one of the most unexplored or like revisited areas for spirits. Because, I mean, like you said, I mean, I grew up, my dad was a gin guy. I never had to worry about drinking when I was a kid because I wasn't going to touch that shit one time. And I, uh-uh, no, this is awful. Like, never again. If this is what alcohol is, I'm good. Uh, Keep right. it away. Right. But now you see folks starting to dabble with it, revisit. Um, you know, like I said, put different botanicals in there, explore different profiles that you can extrapolate and, and the different things you can put in there together that are going to, you know, synergize to give you that final product. I think it's maybe one of the most unexplored areas that people just aren't tapping or getting into for the time being. And for us, I mean, the other side of why we did gins, one, I like them, right? So that's why, that was certainly a reason why. But <laughs> but, but the other reason is, is you can have fun with it. You, you can work that gin basket to death and say, okay, well, hey, I'll, let's go out and go grab some some berries from your front yard, right? Then dry them out and throw them in there and, and see what it does. And so that's the cool thing about gins as opposed to, um, you know, Fred Minnick talks about, you know, vodka sucks all the time as opposed to a vodka, <laughs> right? Uh, where it's, okay, how many times have I distilled that vodka, right? Well, all right what else okay it's the grains that go into it okay but what's it taste like well it there ain't a whole lot of taste to a vodka right whatever you mixed it with right yeah. exactly <laughs> and so that and so that's why that's why we went after gin we just said look and, and you know it doesn't require a whole the whole lot of aging right as opposed to uh, bourbon so you can turn around and sell it fairly quickly just like you can a vodka it's you can have fun with it that's and that's really what we wanted to do so in the new distillery itself uh in the tasting room we've got a gin basket that hangs on our um our, our still right now but we're gonna have uh what is it 150 gallon pot still in uh, which is nothing but a gin still that'll be in the distillery all by itself so we won't run on again we won't run our bourbons in the uh, you know our column still and we'll be running through that but our gin still will have separate and distinct and and be able to have you know lynn's gonna have fun with it i think one of the things at least for me and I, I think Zeke would feel the same way is we love when thought goes into things, especially with a brand that that's up and coming. You know, what are you actually thinking about when you make the decisions that you do? And both of these gins, I could tell that you put a tremendous amount of, of time and effort and thought into. And I love that. You can tell no matter what story they tell you, if they just were like, Oh yeah, we picked a, we picked a, a, you know, botanicals and we threw it in because that's what everybody else does and we needed to make some money. But it sounds like this is kind of a little bit of a pet project for you. And I love that. It really is. I mean, we, for us, trying to develop something that we thought would be 
somewhat unique in the marketplace and have it at a, you know, Adam, I don't know what, what our price points are on, on these gens on a retail basis. What do we, but we're, we're tr- not trying to be overly crafty with our pricing, right? So we're, we're saying, look, for a great gen product, we're charging, what is it, 20 something, 25? This is, is where it? things get fun. We ask the guys who tried it, hey, what do you think? And this is a risky proposition here. You know, we could totally, <laughs> I could totally be wrecking myself on this. But I hear, Zeke, you like gen a little bit more than the, maybe John here or myself even. But what, what are your thoughts on them? I like non-traditional. And we've kind of always... We know that about you. Towed that so road of aspects. simply like, hey, put something neat and fun in there. Don't make it taste like pine saw. And like while I was saying, I mean, when you have all these different things you can utilize and put in there to see what comes out of it, the world is your oyster. Right. Why not go for it and and see what you can get out of it? Like we all know what Bombay is going to taste like or countless other gins or vodkas. And they're all within the same, to me, like 5% of a profile difference. And if you want to drink that, that's fine. But, you know, pushing the boundaries and saying, well, actually, here's what you can do with this spirit. You know, to me, it's like the people that when you do a, a barrel finished bourbon, whiskey, whatever you want to call it. It still takes longer time. You still don't really know at the end of the day, you still got to try and sell it because, well, hell, you're invested in it. Right. But when you're doing clear spirits and, and you can tinker with it on a smaller scale, almost immediately know what you're dealing with. I mean, I, I think you just be, you know, a kid in the candy store, basically, but with spirits because you're going to, oh, this gave me this one accent that was really good. Mm-hmm. Now I moved it here. Um, but both these... I'm a big fan of certainly appreciate even taking the notion to be like, all right, we're going to barrel age this set of it. Well, what's that going to do? Not just counting on the barrel to influence in a way, but I guess I would almost say like, you know, you're counterbalancing like, well, here's what the barrel's going to do, but here's what we're going to do ahead of that. And at the end of the day, well, now look what we have. I mean, that's substantial to me. Like I, I, I like the thought process, like the flavors in it and just the way it all comes out. Are you running for politics anytime soon? I didn't really talk much while I was skiing. I just listen to music and drink. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying he asked, how much do you think that these go for? Oh. And you just gave a very long answer that I think lulled everybody to sleep, but didn't actually answer the question. Oh, no. Yeah, it's typical. I said a lot, but I said nothing at all. Exactly. We know whose voice lulls people to sleep around here, and it ain't this one. Oh, a lot of people <laughs> love your voice to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't even know what generally cost. I mean, 20, 30 bucks. I don't, I don't know. No, that's that's fair. And then there's a lot of gin out there that's, you know, a lot of rot gut that's super cheap and a lot of honestly really overpriced gins. Uh, you're looking at on the uh, on the dry gin here. Um, there's a range of prices that varies five, six bucks. You're looking at probably about twenty seven ninety nine. Most places will have it at. Uh, and about 30 bucks or so on the barrel finish gin. That's sort of the mid price point there. So you won't ever see either one of them over 35 bucks, but it's a nice approachable price point for a new boutique gin. I was going to say, and you have to look at too. I mean, it's like when somebody asked me what a, a good whiskey should cost anymore. Shit. I mean, a week ago, I thought this was a good price, whatever that may be, 40, 45, 50. Ah, been a few weeks. Apparently the needles move. 55 <laughs> now for 90 proof, decent bourbon. I mean, like, who knows? I mean, if you enjoy what you're consuming, that to me is ultimately what you fall back on. I know where things would get priced for me, but I would just say um, Wally knows as the distributor how the needle can move 
that five to 10 bucks either way, because, you know, say somebody buys in bulk, distro has a little deal. If you buy 10 cases of this, then we'll knock five bucks off the price. Like that's how that stuff works. Our, our listeners understand there is a window, even though MSRP is one thing. They buy a good deal from distro. Maybe that MSRP is going to go down a little bit. Maybe they give that savings to you. Maybe they don't. Maybe they take an extra couple of bucks. Who knows? Yep. yep. So you mentioned the the barrel aged gin being in a wheated barrel simply because you didn't like the the rye notes. And at least obviously for the current time being, there's only a a sourced bourbon or whiskey. Do you plan on having a rye, or is it just not in your wheelhouse? Which I mean, I would completely understand. If- uh, the rye? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no. We have uh, rye that's aging right now. Okay. So um, our rye is two and a half years old right now. And we won't release it until it's at f- at least four years. Okay. Nope. And it's what people call like Kentucky rye. Okay. Yeah. Right? That was another question. Was right. So if it was the, the higher so, content or the lower? Yeah. It's the lower content. Um, so we, again, we wanted, there's a lot of 95 fives out there. I mean, just, there's a lot of them and there's some good 95 five. And I'm not saying there's not, but we just, we didn't want to go for that profile. Uh, we really wanted a, a more approachable rye. So you'll see ours in 35% sort of corn content. Thank you. Sort of area. By the way, because I'm just a person. I have broken up with 95.5. I told 95.5 it's not them, it's me. Uh-huh. The mint in the wintergreen, just that pine saw air freshener thing. Mm-hmm. I, I I like more of a Kentucky rye than a 95.5. Right. So thank you very, very, very much for that. Yeah, you're welcome. And those will be coming, uh, the, the rye. So we'll have a, well, I'll shift back into that in a minute because we have to talk about the whole Monks Road lineup. But that, that rye will be coming in probably 2023, uh, maybe late, maybe 2024, as well as we've got a, a high rye bourbon as well that'll be coming. And then a weeded bourbon that'll be coming at the end of this year. I feel like we need to go back to this fifth district series. I want to apologize not only to our listeners, but to both of you. So Zeke and I probably haven't been in the same room together. I want to say it's been three to four weeks since we really had some quality time in a room. I think we danced around a little bit of stuff because we were busy giving each other a lot of shit because that's what we do. I mean, we had to play catch up. Why do you blame me? You are the instigator for (laughs) a good 80% of the shit between you and I. I don't think I've instigated anything tonight. Thank you. It's just... I got two witnesses. He has a look. Like, he has a look. He doesn't even need to say anything, and it makes your blood boil, and then you have to go back to him. But I want to talk about this 5th District, because this is not going to be the standard release that is going to come out from Logstill and Monks Road. This is a, a special release. This is your LTO for the Monks Road lineup, correct? Correct. And so, this might be different... Right now, it's a six-year-old Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. It could be something different next year. It's whatever y'all say is going to be the 5th District Series for that year. Yep, you got it. And will it be one a year that will come out? Or is it something that there could be a spring and a fall release? Or figuring that stuff out for now? All of this 5th District Series, and the reason we called it this whole 5th District Series, one is to pay homage to the the taxing 5th District, which is Central Kentucky's uh, district. There are a number of older pre-Prohibition distilleries that never made it past Prohibition. And, you know, with from our location, uh, there were like 11 distilleries within about six miles of 
you know, from a, a concentric circle perspective from our distillery. And so Cold Spring was one of those distilleries. It was started by a Dant, so Joseph Bernard Dant. We own the property that Cold Spring Distillery sits on. We actually are using the Cold Spring, that spring that's there, to do our barrel proofing and our bottling proofing water. Um, so we've um, you know set up a pumping system to where we can pump it up to our water treatment facility and uh, then use it for that. So it's one of those cool little stories again that you that we're afforded because of where we are and the history that we have there. But the Fifth District series was really set up because we knew we were going to have this source product and we knew that there would likely be a number of them before we ever got to our aged product that somebody right now somebody's doing that for us some guys out of Danville Kentucky are making our product for us right now and so until we get to that point where we feel comfortable in releasing that which won't be before four years of age just so you'll know, we're not going to release anything early. We really feel our family's always been known for this bottled and bond four-year-old, at least four-year-old product. And so that's kind of what we're sticking to from a bourbon uh, whiskey perspective is really that four-year-old Kentucky stuff. And just for people that are listening to put a little bit of clarification in there. So there's a difference between sourcing whiskey and then contract distilling. So the folks in Danville, they are contract distilling that for you. You've Correct. given them a mash bill yep. you want. You've told them this is everything. Right. Here's the yeast that we're wanting to use. Here are the barrels that we're wanting you to put it in. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a full contract distilling process and i say this because i've had some people reach out to us lately on instagram and you know we get into a, a lull and we talk to people like you and everybody kind of knows what they're talking about and I, I got a nice little reminder that sometimes i need to take a step back and explain some of this stuff to people so sourcing is you know the whiskey's already made it's already aging in barrels you mm -hmm. just go out and say hey i'm gonna go buy these barrels contract distilling just like Wally said, you're giving them the recipe. Another way of putting this is Wally's kitchen isn't ready. He's building his kitchen, but he still needs to make the food. So he's given them the recipe of what he needs to make, and they're off making it for him until the oven can go in, the still can go in, the fermenter can go in, all that fun stuff. Right, right. Sorry, I just wanted to... No, 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 that's good. That's great, great explanation. So, yeah, I think we think every year we're going to come out with a limited series and and we explain maybe through a QR code or something like that to where you can pop it on there and say, hey, OK, here's what's the story behind Cold Spring Distillery or here's the story behind XYZ from that perspective. And, and so what we're trying to do is, one, give us some historical perspective and pay homage to some of those guys that have gone out before us, and then really try to give you an idea and a sense for what they were producing through that through that bottle. I like it. Uh, this is a six-year-old product right now. I'm assuming that this Fifth District series right now is only something you could probably get at the distillery. No. You can actually get it in stores? Mm -hmm. Any in Nashville or, or more just up in Kentucky? So as of today, <laughs> right, um, it's Kentucky. Uh, and I think, well, first of all, we are now, uh, we're working with a number of distributors here in Tennessee. We're actually launching next week here in Tennessee. And so these that you see, these bottles that you see in front of us, they may even be in stores today, depending on how the distributor's been working with the, the local retail stores here. Yeah, these will be available next, for sure, next week. So DSP 47, is that... 
the original? That's the original uh, distillery number. Okay. So the government gave us back our old uh, DSP number uh, after a little bit of work to, to get that. <laughs> um, but yes, we are very proud to have our old number back. It's a damn low number. So yeah. it, well, no, I saw that's when I caught my eye, and I was like, it's got to be the old number. But mm-hmm. I, I knew from when uh, you know Heaven Hill had it, and they kind of moved stuff around, like buying older bottles. And then I can't remember the number. I always ask a buddy, but like whatever the old Bernheim was, like I was like, that is the dance you want to get. That's the really damn good one. Don't buy the other number because that means it was bottled <laughs> somewhere else. But you know, had the different DSP. But you know, it's yeah, all just fun were, little trivial number, knowledge. Yeah. But there was a number of them. So you know, prior to Heaven Hill's ownership of it, you know, it was the Shenley plant. It was the Bernheim plant that was mm-hmm. making it and um that and frankfurt was making it which was the old again the old buffalo uh, ancient age plant yeah that was those were the two that that made the the dent bourbons back then and so if you get anything from an age perspective that's anything less than 1993 then it's likely to be made at one of those two plants or if it's earlier than 62 then it was made at our plant right? <laughs> uh, in number 47 gotcha so so are there more dance or beams in Kentucky? Uh, <laughs> there's the beams are probably <laughs> prolific family themselves. So <laughs> well, I feel like both are just synonymous. You know, it's, it's funny. We've, we've got, um, you know, uh, you know, Steve Beam and Paul Beam, um, really good friends of ours, actually cousins of ours. Their mother, her mother was a dant. We're related through the same family tree on that, on that side. And, um, but we have a num- another beam that uh, actually two beams that work for us at the distilling company. And, uh, it's just, it's one of those businesses where you can talk to Freddie and uh, all of those guys. And I mean, they're just a genuinely good family and a good group of folks that are, and everybody's been really gracious in, in answering mm-hmm. questions and providing information when we needed information. Well, it's always remarkable to like think of it like how big of a, you know, following this bourbon or whiskey have now. And then if you look like the origins and where it all came down to, and like you said, you know, the family tree, like how small was the populace to begin with? <laughs> <laughs> and they still basically, you know, corner the market, so to speak. Well, and now they've taken over the dance, you know, (laughs) like the beams just multiplied and they they infiltrated the dance family. Uh Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, just funny to like think perspective wise. Like, all right, so a hundred years ago, this small subset, here's all your bourbon whiskey that's going to supply the world one day almost. (laughs) Oh, I mean, mean, it's it's really, I mean, it is crazy when you... You kind of look back and you go, a lot of it came out of that central Kentucky area. And quite a few of them were, you know, big Catholic families that that made their way over. I mean, Basil Hayden, right, um, was the original kind of led the first mission from Maryland, Maryland, over into uh, what was then Western Virginia, which is Kentucky today. But he led that group over of of Catholics, and we were the second group to come over with him. And in there, there was Mattingly, so Mattingly's and Moore's, right? Um, and then, uh, of course, Basil Hayden, there's another name that was that was in it. I uh, forget the the other ones, but there there was a number of them, prominent families that were all became distillers, right? <laughs> Farmers first, and then distillers second, and then distillers first at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about, I think, uh, you know, obviously your 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 preference in you know gin profiles. For now, the the bourbon sourced as everything moves more forward, and and obviously your own distillate 
come to market at some point. What do you lean toward or go forward in a uh, a bourbon profile, or, or where do you want the juice to end up? I guess I'm a high rye bourbon guy. I like to taste that spice in my uh, my bourbons, it, and it's generally speaking that's a traditional Dant bourbon was a high rye bourbon, and while what is being done today, we've got our mash bills, right? The mash bills that are being done today aren't the same thing that we produced back in our plant back in DSP 47 or, or before. And so we know what those mash bills are. My great-grandfather kept meticulous notes and journals about his own mash bills for his own brands. And we know what the, what the, the other one is. And, and so for us, to be able to kind of replicate that, you know, because we've got the water source, right? So our lake is the, we're using that for a distillate, um, which is what the old plant did. You, they use that lake water. God forbid it ever goes dry. Now we do have a water backup in case that's the case. But, um, you know, knock on wood, that's generally not going to be an issue. And then we know what the yeast was and we know what the mash bill was. So we can replicate what was done there at the distillery and you know so we know the barrels um i mean and really it's from there it's okay we're in the rickhouse is going to produce the best best barrels yeah that'll be again the fun side of this whole thing right is you know people don't realize that you know a lot of bourbons that are made today or many of them are the same damn mash bill right <laughs> the art is figuring out where in the warehouses produce the quote unquote premium and where would you take the other stuff and say, ah, well, we'll maybe put, use that for our bottom shelf. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff. obviously brands that been around for a while now and got famous off buying juice from possibly across the street. Right. But they might've had a little higher ground, might have a little more air, right. might've put in a little better of a corner and knew when to bottle it and, and how to do it. Right. And oh, that's right. Now it's got a nice, uh, pretty price tag and shiny purple full. <laughs> <laughs> but hell, they they knew how to do it oh, from yeah. that side. Oh yeah. And that, I think, like I said, that's where the craft is. Right. I mean, obviously, you got to be able to to distill it and and make the product initially. But if you can't do the rest, you're going to be left with you're going to be spoils. Left. That's right. That's right. <laughs> No, that's right. I think that there is a lot that, that we're going to have to come back, and this is not going to be the first time you come on this show. I think it's great. Not everybody is a Nelson's Greenbrier or a Kentucky Owl. Now we have a log still, and it's those stories that are, are very interesting to me because I almost feel, you know, there's some people that say these stories are really easy to make a brand because, like Kavik said, you know, hey, you have this story right here. You could go do it. But it's almost like, you know, when your dad is an actor and then you want to go be an actor too. And then there's tremendous amount of pressure. Like, are you going to be as good of an actor as your dad? Right. Like right. you're a dance. I personally would feel like there is a lot of pressure when you have that backstory to actually go do something. Now, granted, thankfully, you know, what, 80% of whiskey is marketing, so you have that story, you don't have to worry as much. Right, right. But, you know, you want to do right by your family, and you want to do pay homage to those people that came before you. So I know we wish you the best of luck from what we've figured out tonight. We know you're on the right path. We like the stuff you have out now. People in Tennessee, look out going to be in stores ASAP because Adam did his job well. He did, yeah. And uh, now he's going to be grinding all around the state 
making sure people are selling them and and uh, pushing it out. And I'm sure you'll see him doing some tastings and getting people under him to do some tastings in that awesome log still Monks Road Jeep. So if you see a black Jeep running around Tennessee with the logos on it, that's Adam. Adam or... Or Haley. Haley. We have our sales rep on board as well who will work with me and we'll sort of be divvying up the state. So Did Haley, she get a Jeep too? She, she got did. a Jeep she got too. A black Jeep. She doesn't have the decals on it yet, but they're coming. You have to understand, when I walk my dogs, I walk my dogs. Adam lives in my neighborhood. I walk my dogs by his house, and I saw this new black Jeep sitting there. I'm like, you got rid of the Tahoe? All of a sudden, the, the logos went on. And I'm like, man, I had to apply for a job there if everybody's getting a sweet Jeep. Yeah, you sweet know? Jeep Thank you, Wally. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to segue into the fact we have numerous friends that always ask, like, when's Edward's going to get a wrap on that truck of his? We feel like every three months he'd get a new wrap. Who's your new, who's the next sponsor? I tell people as the son of a cop, I'm not putting dad's drinking bourbon on my, I, like it's, it is, it is a recipe to get pulled over to Maybe. have dad's drinking bourbon on your truck. Maybe. I'm just saying. But Wally, thank you so much for coming. Adam, I'm sure we'll see you like 18 more times. Unfortunately, you're stuck with me. We love you. We look forward to all the good stuff happening at Log Still. Zeke, can you say oyster for me one more time? Oyster? Yeah, thank you. There's <laughs> an extra letter or two in there. It's kind of like Worcestershire. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Where can they find you? I know, Wally, you were on Instagram. I know there's Dant Crossing on Instagram, which is the whole campus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we have Log Still. Right, Log Still Distillery. And then Monks Road, I think, has its, own, its own Instagram. Yep. Lots of stuff on the grams. You can find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Please leave us an open, honest review, just like we leave open, honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. We thank you folks again, and uh, we can't wait to see all the good stuff happening at Log Still. We want to come up and go to a concert. We'll come up and go to the B&B. I can't wait to go to the ice cream shop when it opens. <laughs> Jesus. Zeke, where we, else can the We've got an investment opportunity for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get that wrap for the truck one day. It's just going to be ice cream, not Dad's drinking bourbon. It'll be Log Still Creamery is what I'm going to be putting on there. <laughs> Zeke, where else could the folks find us? Good old Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, hopefully not seeing an orthopedist anytime soon. Cheers. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs>